0: This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them, because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so
1: how's it going? <laughs> it's going... <laughs> I don't know what I missed. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sure... Well, our listeners, I'm sure, missed it, but the way you just said that was... Uh uh so hey how's it going <laughs> that was amazing um I forgot I how we normally I...
1: start this thing like when we take a week off when we come back it's a whole new arena to me
0: yeah we don't know shit anymore uh <laughs> how was your thanksgiving
1: Um, Well, the racist who was invited got offended when I called him and told him not to be racist. And so he punished me by not coming. And I was like, oh, no, my heart is aching.
0: Yeah, that's terrible.
1: So then it was great.
0: Yeah, sounds like it. Mine was interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well you know
1: Oh yes. I know but I'm trying to set you up to tell everyone about it
0: Every once so, in a while I try
1: to play this game Like we know what we're doing And then one or the other of us screws it up
0: <laughs> I know Um So we were eating Thanksgiving dinner And we heard A crash outside Because some fucking fool Had Run off the road On a residential street <laughs> And hit my sister's parked car so hard his airbag deployed and he like skidded all the way to in front of the neighbor's house
1: oh my gosh I didn't realize it was that bad
0: yeah and now his insurance is probably gonna decline it
1: great
0: because basically I don't think he has insurance because if he did it's a straight liability claim there's no reason why they would deny it right I was
1: going to say, somebody in this conversation actually knows about insurance, so... I do.
0: I do. And it's also December 1st, so that means that I got to open my first wine from my little wine advent calendar.
1: Ooh. So are you um, drinking this while you're listening to Mariah Carey Extra Festive?
0: I am Mariah Carey Extra Festive. That's fair.
1: (laughs) That's fair. You are. I knew that.
0: Mm-hmm. Tonight is Pinot Noir. It's pretty good.
1: Pinot Noir, Sorry. fancy car. Okay.
0: It's a scene <laughs>
1: from Kimmy Schmidt. Oh,
0: there we go. Ooh. And, yeah. Do I? I didn't do any of the homework my therapist assigned to me. Um. Was
1: your homework... To tell me how wonderful I am? Because you can catch up on that right now. You can do two weeks worth right now.
0: No. Um, my homework was to think of my passions and learn and figure out how to maybe parlay that into a career. Oh, that's because, right. Because um if you didn't know, working in insurance is kinda boring.
1: Um what if your passion is just being independently wealthy and not having to work. How can you,
0: <laughs> I don't know, but I'll ask her cause that's at the top of my list. Right.
1: Just tell her that's your biggest hobby is being independently wealthy. And then tell her that's you why know, you I've pay for therapy. have
0: actually technically been independently wealthy. and <laughs> That really can't be my hobby.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's my passion for you. Thank you. Um,
0: Support that.
1: So, speaking of jobs and independent wealth and all those things. Oh, so oh, go speaking
0: ahead. of jobs, go to our Patreon and give us money so that I can. This is actually one of my passions, well, I was so I'd say, like to do it full time. Um, so please go give us money so we can both quit our jobs. I,
1: I'm on my way
0: out. Not, that I know <laughs> one of us is already making their dreams come true the other one of us is trying to get a needle unstuck from a piece of tape
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we're just wild times here at lifetime sentence Um, it is indeed five months 26 days 19 hours 34 minutes and eight seconds not that i've been counting down every day
0: i think you have a countdown (laughs) app with that on it
1: and it's just on my home screen like I don't even have to. It's just you give no
0: more fucks.
1: Zero. Today, in fact. So, also, like, it is so freeing to be in a school district that needs teachers so badly. You can't fucking get fired unless you, like, put your hands on a kid. And so. Because you have to try. oh man a kid walked in today and talked about one of his classmates and he said she thinks she's a man and can just do whatever she wants and i flipped the fuck out like i spewed my liberal propaganda from one end of the classroom to the other um and i was like wait so are you saying women can't do whatever they want and he was like, "Well, no." I was like, "No, that's what you just said. You said so what can men what can men do that women can't outside of basic reproduction biology and only if we are talking about very specific gendered issues?" "What? What what things can men do that women can't?" "Well, then he tried to back out of it and I was like, "No, no. Nope. We started what things can men do that women can't." And he goes, "Uh, be president." And I went, there's not a the fuck out of me. I said, There's not a law that says women can't be president. Well then how come we never had one? And I was like, because of systemic misogyny, my friend. I was like people are horrible. I was like, do you remember how the slaves weren't considered full human beings? Which was crappy. But women got rights even after that. So mm-hmm. they need a couple years to catch up and it's not their fault. We're coming for you though. <laughs> one of my students goes, Mr. Adams, you just get it.
0: And I was like,
1: yes, yes, I do. Somebody I guess, has okay, to get I'm
0: it. actually older <laughs> than you. And um, I do know some things.
1: Well, can you imagine the kind of male teachers, these poor, especially these poor girls have had in the conservative South? Like they probably have never had a male teacher come to their defense. Just saying. Um,
0: terrible
1: right well then he was like i don't want to have this conversation anymore and i was like i'm sure you don't but we're having it so too bad <laughs> then i texted y'all and i texted my best friend and i was That's like uh, i was like so i'm probably getting fired and i don't give a fuck
0: at least i'm going out in a blaze of glory like <laughs> yeah but you're not getting fired surprise <laughs> <laughs> i got promoted <laughs> Like,
1: now I'm the principal. Oh, hey, we're eight <laughs> minutes in, so maybe it's now the appropriate time to say, This is Lifetime Sentence, and mm-hmm. I stopped giving a fuck.
0: Oh, I never gave a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: are. Do you want to tell me about the movie you watched this week? Because I did not cover the movie this time. Right. But I covered the so. events leading up to the movie.
0: Yes. Well, it does, the movie actually does cover. Okay. The first part of the movie does cover um So, this week All right, I'm going to put right. this down for a minute.
1: Okay, are you playing with your cat's yarn? Like what is going on over there?
0: No, I'm trying to start a new embroidery project and I have to oh, un- separate the threads the, gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um this week I watched <clears throat> House of Versace. I'm so excited my little fashion loving heart was born for this episode. It's not so- pronounced
1: Versace.
0: I hate you. <laughs> um so it stars Gina Gershon, Gershon, Gershon. She plays Donatella Versace. Uh, she is from Showgirls, a movie called Bound. Oh, she was in Face Off. Face off.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. with, with Nicholas Cage, Cage and John Travolta. What a fucking, like, who put this movie together? And they were like, you know, the two men we need. The two fucking weirdest people in Hollywood.
0: Amen. Oh, and she's also in that show New Amsterdam.
1: Oh, I've heard that's really good. Show.
0: I don't watch it, but I just saw it on her. Oh, and she's in Younger, which I actually have heard is very good. Too. I
1: love Younger. I love me some Sutton Foster.
0: Okay. Um, It also stars Enrico Colantoni. Say that. Nailed it. Fast. Yeah, thank you. He plays Gianni Versace you will probably recognize him most from either Veronica Mars
1: I watched every episode
0: several times he plays Keith Mars oh okay or Westworld yes Whitman he's Whitman in Westworld um, yeah uh, he's also in The Good Fight, I Zombie, <clears throat> Breaking Emma, Bad Blood Justice League Dark Ooh. That, um, American Gothic I heard that was good He was in Galaxy Quest mm-hmm.
1: And um, Stigmata Those are actually the other ones that I know him from um,
0: There is another show that I know him from And I can't remember the name of it It's going to drive me insane Did you watch Just Shoot Me? Oh, way back
1: in the day, yeah. But it, it was in not that. that okay. I'm surprised yeah. I know this actor, like AI. Yeah. I'm now looking yeah. up. Oh, dang it. Remedy, Weather Girl.
0: It's like a It's like a cop show. Not person of interest, although he is in that. The hell? going to drive me nuts. Uh, Flashpoint.
1: Flashpoint! Flashpoint! Yep.
0: Yes. Okay. That is not going to drive me nuts anymore. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my weird...
1: This is the worst program. TED Talk we've ever attended.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, so it also stars Colm Fiori. She's not Guy Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the off-brand plays, Guy Fieri. <laughs> he plays Santo, but I just call him brother because... I don't learn his name until, like, the middle of the movie. I love that. He's from Chicago. He played Harrison in Chicago. Okay. Um, I thought you meant he
1: was just, like, from Chicago. And I was like, oh, duh. Everyone knows
0: him. He played King Laufy and Thor. And he's in the Umbrella Academy.
1: Oh, shout out today to um, Elliot Page from Umbrella Academy. Did you see that?
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes, I did see that news. That is incredible. I'm so happy for him and living his truth and like being himself. That's amazing. Yes. That that just takes a lot of guts
1: because even in today's I age, that could be career they, ending. And I love how supportive everybody has been. Like they showed yeah, incredible I, strength today.
0: I love the headline, the first headline that I read about it this morning, which was, Oscar-winning Elliot Payne. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, okay, well, at least somebody's got their shit on straight today. Right. (laughs) All right. So, let's do this. (laughs) Um... We open with real celebrity red carpet interviews with all of them saying that they're wearing Versace. So it's Catherine Zeta-Jones, Halle Berry, Drew Barrymore. Um, And then we cut to a man doing the worst impression of Gianni Versace imaginable. Great. Everyone in this movie has a terrible Italian accent.
1: Perfect. I love it.
0: Mm -hmm. Donatella and Gianni get into a fight over whether the Models should wear heels or sandals and then we go to a fashion show. Um,
1: as one does. I'm confused.
0: <clears throat> I'm confused as to why this appears to be a fall and spring show all in one.
1: Um, budget, Maybe it's- budget cuts. They can only afford one year, one season.
0: Maybe it's resort wear? Where? I don't know. Anyway, Oh, it's Texas.
1: It's it's Texas winter that's what they were the theme was
0: Texas winter wear yes <laughs> big showing at Paris fashion week is Texas winter wear. <laughs> um so Gianni and Donatello walk the runway as you do to collect all of your applause and accolades and Donatella congratulates the premiere she just looked up <laughs> and 20 <laughs> minutes looking up. So that's like their head seamstress. She oversees all of the seamstresses and tailoring and everything for the whole house. So, um, for, oh, cause Donatella had told her to like slip in everybody wearing stilettos instead of sandals like Gianni wanted. <laughs> and she did. Um, Gianni is super pissed about the stilettos. Um, until Donatella tells him that Harper's Bazaar loves everything and Madonna's going to be their, the face of Versace next year. Then he calls her clever and spins her around in a hug. So um, everyone toasts Gianni and Donatella. Um, foreshadowing, Donatella asks, what would we do without you? And Gianni says, you'll never know.
1: Uh, you gonna find out is what he meant. Yeah.
0: Back in their very Italian dining room. Like, this movie, like, slaps you in the face with Italy.
1: It's (laughs) just shot in an olive garden.
0: (laughs) It's, like, so overly Italian, it becomes fake. Right. Uh, Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. Da-da-da-da. They all toasted all of their roaring success back at their house, um... Donatella and her daughter have a sweet conversation about lipstick and picking out clothes. And then Donatella and her husband go to a club, a club, so she can be interviewed by Vanity Fair. Um, I mean, it's not a great interview spot, but what, what, what do I know? Listen,
1: I I'm not going to question a single thing Vanity Fair does. Everything they touch is gold That's as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, in fact, used one of their articles for my research today. I love Nanny Fair. Um, I always forget that it's such a good true crime magazine. Like, when oh, they do a feature, crime. they are so fucking well researched.
0: Mm-hmm. So... Doo, doo, doo. She takes credit for creating supermodels, which I'm not sure is correct, but I don't know. Um, and then... Oh, my God, I'm so lost. So the editor decides then to do a whole piece about Donatella not just about Versace. Um, Holy crap. The next day, Gianni is sprucing up his niece's dance recital costume. And it's time for a photo shoot. Oh, no. Okay. So the next day, Gianni is sprucing up his niece's dance recital costume. And, um, you know, Donatella comes in and she looks very happy. But she has to miss the recital because um, this photographer that's shooting their stuff doesn't like Gianni. since he's impossible to work with. Okay. As all geniuses are. So Right. Um, same. So they go, like, to you know, to the recital, and she goes to the photo shoot. Um... Oh, and they do the photo shoot to Groove is in the Heart.
1: Of course they do.
0: Oh, like real real
1: music, song. Lifetime.
0: Yeah. Please tell me like the uh,
1: sexy SAT words that Groove is in the Heart played even at inappropriate times. So oh. like, at the funeral for Gianni vs. Vers- Hunchy. they're lowering okay. the casket. Is Groove is in the ha
0: <laughs> Okay. Um, do, do, do. After, okay. Oh, Donatella's drug dealer stops by to fill up her little what's it thing with cocaine. Casual. Cash. Cash. Uh, after the shoot, they all pass it around. And then Donatella just gives the photographer... Her whole little thingy of cocaine. Oh, okay. Uh, So she goes back to the the office and Gianni and their other brother (laughs) are fighting about money. But Donatella interrupts them because it's time for for an interview for TV. It's a very short interview and then Gianni and Donatella get into a fight too they're all like hands they're like over gesturing but again to the point where it's fake
1: everything they say is just with the chef's kiss hands i must go to the bathroom
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) so she calls him a giant old queen and then gianni kicks her out (laughs) okay but where's the lie I know, Gianni is working on a dress, which his bro- while his brother talks at him about going public. Donatella comes in, and they all make up. Their other brother says they deserve each other. Oh, cause they're all like giddy over each other. Oh, and he's just you two deserve each other.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, she was his muse. Like,
0: yeah. And so they, and he rolls his eyes. So Donatella's daughter, Allegra, asks if she can go to Miami with Gianni, but her mom says no. Later, she goes to a club, Donatella, and does cocaine with her photographer friend and then dances with her husband. The next morning, she Don't, and her husband are fooling that's, around.
1: That's what I miss because of COVID 19. Going out with my photographer friends and snorting up a line on a random Coyote Ugly bar.
0: Uh,. No, they do it off of like this little like bump spoon in a gold thing. It's very fancy. Oh,
1: I've, it's it's fancy it's, it's the bougie Sarah cocaine.
0: cruel intention. Huh? <laughs> it is. Okay. They're not doing coke off a a dirty coyote ugly bar. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Also, I just realized during this movie how uncomfortable I am seeing people so close together. Right? Like, it's a real problem. Anyway, so the next morning, she and her husband are fooling around, and Gianni calls and just screams, Where are you? And then hangs up. (laughs)
1: Love it. Perfect.
0: Which is pretty much how I talk to my siblings. (laughs) Um,. The Vanity Fair article is out, and Gianni's boyfriend is pissed. Um, he and Donatella do not like each other. Uh, Gianni tells him to shut up because he can't stand there bickering. Um, they're talking about the trip to Miami, and Donatella tells him that when he comes back, she wants to talk about her own designs, but he's like, nope. And then he's like, I really want to take Allegra to Miami, and she's like, nope. So, they ended a stalemate. <laughs> <laughs> Flash forward to July 15th, 1997. Donatella is preparing for a show and Gianni is in Miami. He calls to check in on things and Donatella confirms that Princess Diana is in the front row. Wow. What a Shit,
1: life. right? Yeah.
0: I mean, just think, okay, so this is July of 1997 she yeah. died like a oh lighter. my
1: god yeah
0: um so she assures him that she's got this and she hangs up on him um so Gianni leaves the little coffee newsstand place he's at and we see someone follow him no um the phone rings again in Italy but Donatello doesn't answer because she's very busy Um, we see Gianni in Miami get to his gate, but we hear a gunshot and then the whole, it cuts back to Italy and like everything freezes. It was pretty cool. That's really well
1: done. That's an edit of the week.
0: Um, But not in a bad way. Right. And so, um, we see, um, it starts moving again in slow motion and we see, um, the other brother come in. And tell Donatello what's happened. Um, They show actual crime scene footage. And like his body. Yeah, no thank you. Like being taken into... Like on a stretcher being taken into the hospital. Mm, Pass. It just reminds me of how crazy the paparazzi can be. Um, uh, So... And then, as the brother, and then we cut back to Donatella, and as the brother tells her that he's that uh, Gianni's dead, she faints. Um, later at home, she's smoking and drinking and crying in the dark, and her brother comes in and says she shouldn't sit in a dark room and be sad all by herself. So he'll come sit with her, and be sad with her. It's very sweet. No. She tells him. Um, what is she? She said something like, the center of our lives is gone.
1: That's so sad. Uh, That's so heartbreaking. Yeah.
0: They show, um, oh, they show real footage of the funeral as well as like the actors' footage. Um, they show Princess Diana and Elton John like sitting in the front row together. Oh, wild. Um, later the phone rang and it's the police saying they ca- they found Gianni's killer and, spoiler alert, he was a serial killer. And that's all I'll say about that. So, Thank you. Not to ruin it too bad. Don't rain
1: on my parade. Uh,
0: Donatella goes to the office and lets them know they have six weeks to get an entire show together to show everyone that the house is not going away. They discuss briefly bringing in Carl Lagerfeld, um, but it's quickly squashed because they can't really bring in an outside well known person. Right. Because then it'll be like, if it's success, then it'll just be Karl Lagerfeld.
1: Saved the house of Versace, Versace right?
0: Yeah. yeah. So, Brother asks if Donatella can do this herself because she's the one that knows what Gianni wanted better than anyone. And she says yes and is immediately immersed in work fighting with people who are used to working with Gianni instead of her. She fires the head of the, like, designing team. Yeah. Um, and then she goes home in the middle of the night to look in on her sleeping kids before heading back to work. Her daughter nearly catches her doing, doing cocaine, but didn't see, thankfully. Everyone goes to the reading of Gianni's will, where he names Allegra, Donatella's daughter, as his sole heir... The fuck! I had no idea. He leaves his boyfriend fifty million euros a month. <laughs> what, Aaron? How do you I don't find? Understand how that much money exists.
1: How do you find a man like that, Aaron? I have found your passion in this life. Let's call your therapist right now. You. You need to find someone who's going to die and leave you 50 million euros a month.
0: You know what's so crazy is the other night I was thinking about this kind of same very thing because I, w- I follow um, Sotheby's and um, Christie's auction I love Bees, uh-huh. bees, yes. And so I am um, following, in, you know, they had a ring. It was, in, it was their um, Asian auction house. Oh yeah. Okay. They had a ring. And the estimated like what it was gonna go for, it was a diamond ring with a pink diamond, other diamonds, gorgeous. Uh Just freaking gorgeous. The estimated like going price of it was between twenty five and thirty five million (laughs) dollars. And I had to really stop because I'm always like, oh yeah, billionaires are a thing, whatever. But I had to really stop and think like there is somebody out there who's going to pay between 25 and 35 million dollars for this ring when and to, and it's just throw away money because it's a ring it's not like it's a house or a car right or something that is like or useful. like
1: an entire fucking empire that would like make more money
0: isn't that wild like somebody out there spent 35 million bucks on that thing or maybe 30 Hey, if you 30. if you
1: know somebody who bought a ring from Sotheby's for $35 million, just slip them patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. <laughs> Tell
0: them we're an auction house that doesn't send you anything.
1: <laughs> my dad is a certified auctioneer. Oh, we can convince them by shitty paintings are worth something. Rich people will buy anything. That's we true. got this.
0: Um, anyways, <laughs> I just anyways, he also leaves his boyfriend access to all of his properties. So he okay. has properties in, in Rome and in Lake, Lake Cuomo, Lake. Cuomo, Lake Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching too much CNN. <laughs> Lake Cuomo. <laughs> New York, Miami. Um, I think L.A. It's like nine or ten different places. Yeah,
1: it's ridiculous. Different.
0: Um, he leaves his art collection to his nephew, which contains several Picasso's. So yeah. it's not like the nephew's gonna starve to death. So, um, and he leaves everyone else in his family nothing. <laughs> How?
1: My new goal in life is to be that petty in death. That is my new goal in life.
0: Oh, goodness. So everyone's pissed. <laughs> and the older brother tells Antonio, the boyfriend, to lawyer up because the properties are all owned by the fashion house. They were not owned by Gianni Versace himself.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> um, so Donatella keeps working, keeps using coke to get her through the day so she doesn't have to sleep. Things get out of hand really quickly. Um, homegirl is a big old mess.
1: Yeah, she uh, is. Alexander
0: McQueen is here. Who? Alexander McQueen. Oh, okay. He comes. Um, he uh, arrives and immediately starts cutting up dresses. And you know what? I'm here for it. Alexander McQueen can do no wrong in my book. Right. Uh, my biggest regret in life is missing his show. His very The very first Met Gala was his work. Yeah. Ugh, I'll regret that forever. Okay. Um, Savage Beauty. Mm, That's a good one. Later that night, Donatella comes home and turns on the TV with Allegra, and Princess Diana has died. Mm. Allegra gets very upset because somehow she lives in a world where she just knows Princess Diana. Right? And she's like, I just saw her a month ago. And she's like, why is everyone I love dying?
1: Poor thing.
0: I know, I felt terrible for her. Um, so they do the show, and all the models are messing with their clothes because none of them know how to model?
1: I oh, guess? okay.
0: Um, Donatella barely makes her walk down the runway, and then after... There's a white butterfly backstage that everyone stops and stares at, which is like real heavy on the symbolism there.
1: <laughs> it was also doing uh. the chef's kiss hands.
0: <laughs> 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 oh God. Um, we fast forward to the year 2000. Donatella appears to still be drunk or high or both. And the answer is both. Okay. Uh, her husband asks her how much longer she's going to be like this. He tells her that he's leaving her because even though she's the only person he's ever loved, she's not the same person anymore. Um, he's moving to New York, and also, by the way, the kids want to come with him for the summer. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot to take in while you're drunk and high. <laughs> um. Donatella goes to talk to Allegra who tells her that she has nothing to say to her and then tells her that she's disgusting and all she wants is to be away from her. Uh, That's so
1: heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Um, So real quick, I'm going to be honest with you. I forgot we were recording even as you talked to me. So I almost interrupted you to show you these shoes that I found.
0: (laughs) I'll show you (laughs) after we're done. I thought you weren't going to depression shop and do the podcast. No, so, okay,
1: so jump down the rabbit hole of Alexander McQueen, and I wondered if he had, if you could get some of his shoes on the real real and there are some beautiful ones for $52, like really reasonable priced. What size? Seven and a half. Damn it. Or these are eights. Um, but look, okay. So now that we're there, they still won't fit me. Ooh, those are pretty. I'm thinking uh, for Sarah. Cause that's her size.
0: McQueen was a fucking genius. Oh, yep. RIP. Um, so Donna tell- tells Allegra that she can go to New York. Um, she makes a big show of the send off, but both of her kids are like, so over it. Um, Her husband hugs her goodbye, and then they all leave. Donatella cries and then dives straight to the bottom of the pill bottle. Her aunt takes care of her, but she also tells Donatella that she's chasing a ghost, that Gianni is gone, but Donatella is still here. And we fast forward to 2004. Versace sales are down 60%. Ooh. Ooh. They went from making billions of dollars to millions of dollars. And
1: I. Now, part of that is 2004 was the start of everything crashing and imploding. Yeah. But part of that also is, ooh.
0: Mm. Well, into their. I follow fashion pretty closely and right. their designing took a kind of a nosedive it and, did and, and, you know it, it makes sense because you have to it makes sense because you have to um find your vision and what you what your art is you can't make someone else i mean you're right. an artist that's what i was about you to can't say make is someone else's
1: art she was trying to fit into his model and that's never going to work
0: no, and so, but she was also so strung out that she couldn't see. I, I can't believe she could even actually see. So, um, yeah, it was a bad time for the house of Versace. Not not good times. Um, the brother reads her a headline that says, quote, she looks like a boiled lobster after it's cracked. Oh,
1: oh, oh that's very descript- I don't mean to laugh, but damn, that's very descriptive.
0: It's real bad. Uh, he tells her they're all out of options. And then she, like, storms her office and starts yelling at the little old man shoemaker and throws shoes at him. Poor thing. I know. It's like, that poor man. I'm so sad. Um, her assistant comes in so that he can escape, thankfully. And she's also quitting to go work at Bergdorf's.
1: Oh, shit.
0: Um... Uh, Donna Teller asks her why, and she's like, I'm trying to get off the Titanic.
1: Damn.
0: She's like, I've worked for you for however many years, and you're out of control. She's basically like, you're completely out of control. Right. Um, So, Allegra is home now, and she's 17. Um, Donatella is show wasted, and they are showing a thing about Princess Diana. It'd be the seven year anniversary of her death, and she starts screaming at the TV about the paparazzi. Um, I mean, same. Yeah, where? Oh, so she starts spinning. Oh, they show her in a Versace dress, like an old clip of um, Diana in a Versace dress. Gotcha. And she starts talking about the dress and. She starts swinging around with a champagne glass in her hand, and she breaks it on the chandelier, which is hung too low, if that's possible. But what do I know? Um, Then, okay, so she breaks it on the chandelier and then starts acting like a complete lunatic about it before her aunt comes in and yells at her that that's enough. And she scurries off to lick her wounds. Donatella is at work one night drugged out of her mind when bro comes in to tell her that he's being replaced by their creditors. So he was running all the finances and he's being replaced.
1: You're on mute. Uh Uh-huh. I was like responding and having a good time. (laughs) Shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Donatella says that's not her fault. And then goes into a diatribe about how Gianni is haunting her. Um, So she and brother go meet with the bank people. They are 120 million euros in debt. Oh! Which I just want to point out is less than three payments to Antonio.
1: Right? (laughs)
0: And they're also in another 5 million euros debt for Donatello personally. And she's like, that was for business expenses. And they're like, 10 carat diamond earrings are not a business expense. Um, let me talk so to my I CPA.
1: To, I, I can make to talk it work. To
0: you after, I need to talk to you after about our account.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the one where I panicked because I had to take somebody out to pay for our website?
0: <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> So, they're going to take everything, or Donatella can file bankruptcy. But then Allegra comes in and takes over like a boss-ass bitch.
1: Yes, she does.
0: Uh, Donatella is pissed, and she screams at her ex-husband about it, and he gives her one hell of a lecture. We fast-forward to Allegra's 18th birthday. Um, She blows up the candles, and is like, LOL, you're my boss now! And everyone just, like, gets real <laughs> nervous. Real, uh-huh. <laughs> it, it's and like that feeling when your
1: list. drunk uncle takes off his shirt at dinner and you're waiting to see what happens next.
0: Yeah. Um, everyone shares a look, and, and then the Aunt Lu- Lucia uh, nods at Allegra, and it's an intervention. Happy birthday, Allegra.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're here because the we intervention love you.
0: goes south really, really quickly. Do they ever go well? But it does eventually get a little bit back on track. And okay. Donatella agrees to go to rehab. Yay! Um Allegra does not want to be in the fashion business, though, because Allegra is crazy and, like, wants to go to college or whatever, so... Well, have,
1: a, have a career and an education? What do you think you are? A man? Gross.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, if I owned the house of Versace, by whatever fluke I owned it, I would run that bitch.
1: Except that there are 134 million euros in debt, like... 124,
0: 125... But, also, it's Versace. But I'd also change their entire aesthetic, so. Right. Um, So, she and her brother go see Donatella, who is sober and looks pretty great. Donatella apologizes to them for being a bad mother in the past, but she says she's going to be the mother they deserve, and they all hug. Um, when she comes home, everyone is there to surprise her except her brother and her aunt Lucia. Um, there's even a cake with a Barbie on it. Her sister in law asked her how rehab was, and oh, because she, Donatella asked about her brother. She's like, Where's Santo? And she's like, He'll, he loves you. He's going to reach out in his time. He just needs a little bit of time. So, um, so then her sister-in-law asked her how rehab was and she says that giving up her stilettos was harder than giving up cocaine.
1: Um,
0: I don't believe you. It's like she's never been comfortable before. Um, <laughs> so uh, Donatella and the interim CEO guy from earlier are meeting with the bank people. Donatella says... She makes a joke and she's like, "I don't know if you heard, but I've had a lot of time on my hands recently."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, make them laugh, Um, make them laugh.
0: Yeah. So she came up with an entirely new outlook by speaking to real women about real fashion and what they want, etc. And she has a whole new collection to show. So they're planning. They they've missed the couture show, so they're planning a ready-to-wear show. And the bankers agree to fund it, but if orders don't come in from the show, then they're out. And, like, they're dissolving the whole thing. It's done. Um, So she goes down to her staff and apologizes for being a monster. And the little old man is still there, so. Oh. I know. Um, And she says she'd like to try to make it up to them if they will let her. Then she presents her ready-to-wear portfolio. They're all behind her. They're all happy, and uh, she goes home and watches soccer with her son. With her son, her aunt Lu- Lucia stops by, and they make up. She works on the collection and tells her premier that if this doesn't work, she's stepping aside because this is like she put her heart and soul into this, and if this isn't good, it's never going to be good.
1: Okay, so. that's
0: fair. Um, <clears throat> Allegra gets into college and. Donatella makes Lucia a, a um tailored suit and makes her try it on in front of everybody. Everybody's happy. like fits really Aww. well. it's super cute. Uh, this was like the collection where Versace was all gold buttons. I don't oh know yeah, who okay. Was this era that they yeah. were in. it was all gold buttons. Um, so. Back at the office, she's working on the collection, and her brother sees her. Like He sneaks into the the house, and he sees her and smiles, so I guess he's proud. Um, and suddenly, it's show day. Her brother finally talks to her. Of course, it's a pep talk about how wonderful she's been doing, how proud he is of her. She tells him about the day Gianni died and how she hung up on him. He asks why she's just now telling him this, why she didn't say anything before, and she says, because it makes her feel so guilty. But of course her brother is like, that's just how you two show love to each other. You answering that or you not hanging up on him would not have changed anything. Right. Um, <clears throat> and so so the show goes on. It's a huge success. Everybody cheers. And quote, Donatella has brought the house of Versace back to glory, first and ready to wear and then returning to Couture, but she still doesn't wear sandals.
1: The end. You know, Donatella had to, like, approve this whole movie, and that was the thing. She was like, make sure they know.
0: Listen, she's in, like, nine-inch heels the whole freaking movie.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So tall. Like, stilettos, too. Not even wedges or anything. Like, super tall. So, what I find
1: interesting and it's not in my notes, so I'll talk about it now. What I find interesting is that most sources say that Elton John is the one who convinced her to go to rehab. So for the movie to have it a staged intervention, like, I would much rather... Based on a book. Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I'd much rather go with the story where, like, (laughs) Elton John sitting at the piano playing Tiny Dancer, but it's like, Go to rehab, Donatella. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Um <laughs> Anyway, so instead of talking about the true story of Donatella taking over the House of Versace, I thought I would tell you
0: today. Oh. oh. The sh- the book is called House of Versace: The Untold Story of Genius, Murder, and Survival. By Deborah Ball.
1: I like the title. Like, I'm in Mm -hmm. on the title. Um,
0: You know I love titles with colons in them. uh Uh-huh. I love punctuation.
1: Like, Where'd You Go Bernadette has extra punctuation in it, and I love Mm -hmm. that. Um, Anyway, so instead of talking about Versace as a brand, I um, did research on the serial killer that killed Gianni Versace. Um, and if you are familiar with this case, this you,
0: story is bonkers. bonkers
1: and trying to fit all the information there is into enough for, like into this episode and like figuring out what to cut was so hard, but I'm really trying to be diligent and like being pretty standard in the way I approach things. But like this one could have gone on for seven hours. It could have been another um, calendar girl, comma cop, comma killer. Cause I had like 12 pages of notes for that one.
0: That was a long episode, but so good. Um, but for real, like this story is fascinating because what are the chances? Right? That somebody as famous as Versace runs into a random serial killer.
1: Not as random as you would think.
0: it it wasn't it wasn't completely random. It's just right. It's fair. It's so unlikely that the story is just so unreal and um
1: yeah so before i get to my speculations i'll just start um so i got of course information from wikipedia um mm-hmm. and then town and country magazine had two different articles that i read um one was the true story of gianni versace's murder by nancy Billu, and mm-hmm. who is andrew kananin the man who murdered gianni versace by chanel vargas and then listen
0: of- i'm going to i'm going to out myself as a boozy Boozy, bougie ass bitch, but I freaking love Town and Country.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Vanity Fair. Um, this article was called "The Killer's Trail" by Maureen Orth, um, and it was written in like '98. Like it was one of the current pieces. The um, the Town and Country articles were a retrospective. They were. Twenty years after the fact. Wow. Um, so this is a, a direct quote from town and country from that first article, the true story of Gianni Versarchi's murder. Versarchi, that's his new name. You're welcome.
0: Versarchy. Yep.
1: The house ha- can I get on them Versarchi?
0: The dr- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I now need to go to a fancy event where I can wear a Like i'll call donatella up when we're done because i know she listens
0: it's not really your aesthetic
1: listen i just want gold button just only gold buttons i just want a whole outfit made of gold buttons
0: that that's the woman that's the lady (laughs) to call because i'm looking at their stuff now and it's still very
1: gold yes all right. So on the morning of July fifteenth, nineteen ninety-seven, the fifty-year-old Italian founder of a glamorous fashion empire was up by six a.m. He made calls to Milan, did some more work, then slipped out of his mansion and headed to News Cafe, just three blocks from his home. A regular.
0: Wow. A, a regular. I'm trying hard uh, to feel sorry for him, but. Right. Do what? I said, I'm trying hard to feel sorry for him. I'm going to in a minute. Right. But I'm
1: just saying. A regular this at the Buzzy <laughs> at the Buzzy Ocean Drive restaurant, Versace bought a coffee, exchanged greetings with the manager, scooped up issues of Vogue and the New Yorker, and headed back to Casa Cas oh, I should have asked Fran how to say this. To his house, the opulent <laughs> palatial villa he'd spent millions acquiring and renovating. He walked up five marble steps and slipped his key into the lock in the iron gate. At that precise moment, a dark haired man wearing knee length shorts, a gray tank top, a baseball cap, and a backpack emerged. Sorry, surged up the same marble steps. Andrew Cannon shot Gianni Versace twice execution style. Then he turned around and casually walked away. And that is how town and country opened their article. Um, It also had this delightful little passage in the opening about um, the bohemian lifestyle of the area, but it was only acceptable if it looked good on rollerblades and in a G string. And I found, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I found a lot of humor in that, but thought I'd start with the weight. Um,
0: It's pretty funny too. Like, it's funny now what they considered a bohemian lifestyle
1: Versus what we consider now, yeah.
0: Then, yeah.
1: Because um,
0: that's, not, that's not some boho shit right there. Right. That's some bougie shit right there.
1: So, Andrew Philip Kananan was born August thirty first, 1969 in National City, California. He was the youngest of four children, and his dad, Modesto Kananan, who went by Pete. So, like, I don't know how you get Pete from Modesto, but I'll take it um Ever. he was filipino and he was serving in the united states marines in the vietnam war um when andrew was born his mother mary ann um was italian american and she was a homemaker and their ethnic identities would later mean a lot to andrew uh, or else i wouldn't have like mentioned that because it's not usually important to the development of the story you know right but mm-hmm. he was focused a lot on his ethnic identity um so after leaving the marines um modesto worked as a stockbroker okay cunanan was a very bright student his family even says that he memorized the entire encyclopedia or an entire encyclopedia when he was 10 um i i i I, I know i you're right um he had this like crazy photographic memory and so he could like recall page after page after page.
0: Iedetic memory.
1: Yes. Um, so in 1981, Kananan's parents enrolled him in a private Christian prep school in the affluent La Jolla neighborhood of San Diego. Kananan was remembered at school for being bright and talkative and for testing in with an IQ of 147, which puts him in the 99.9th percentile of people who take IQ tests. Wow. Yeah. Um, So it was high. In fact, his parents knew that the public school system that they were in was not going to offer him as many options as um, this private school would. So they actually, like, um, remortgaged their house so that they could pay for this private school. Okay. I get that. So he was once voted by his classmates as least likely to be forgotten. And if that's not a self-fulfilling prophecy, I don't know what is. Yikes. Um, And it was also here at this school that he met his lifelong best friend, Elizabeth Coate. So um, Cunanan was also remembered by his peers for being a prolific liar, was the quote, according to Wikipedia. He would tell all kinds of crazy stories about his family and his life that were just like obviously not true. And it's not like his three siblings weren't accessible for people to ask, like, when he would tell some blatant bullshit lie. It's not like they couldn't just go ask his brothers, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I tell crazy stories about my life, but they're all true. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So for a
1: long time, Sarah thought that I exaggerated the stories about my crazy family until they just one after another proved to be true. And she was like, shit, how is one family so crazy? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Like I just don't get people who lie about things like I just don't especially like if you're gonna lie about menial things like things that happen in your daily life with your family. Like I just don't have time for that bullshit because I'm not going to believe anything. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So Kananen was also known for being very vain. He changed his appearance to match whatever he found attractive at the time. And like you can see photos from his life and he almost looks like different people in every one of them because he's changed his haircut and his style and like everything so drastically that he just looks like a completely different person. So it wasn't even necessarily like he was keeping up with trends or keeping up with fashion or anything. It's just whatever he found to be attractive at the time is how he presented himself. Cool. Um, I guess. Right. You do you or whatever. Um, so in high school he came or in high school he began identifying as gay but not with his family only like his close friends um but he began having these um pretty illicit sexual encounters with older wealthy men and so he was Mm. like a sophomore and junior in high school when these started
0: so it's like jeffrey epstein but reverse
1: yes Um, After high school, he enrolled at the University of California, San Diego, where he majored in American history. Um, And he had not made just great grades in um, school, but then, like, he tested so well that... that getting into school was not that difficult for him, but he proved to be a pretty poor student in college, especially because he'd been a poor student in high school. And that actually happens mm-hmm. a lot with people who are naturally intellectually gifted. They don't know how to study. And so then school becomes very difficult for them.
0: I had that problem. I had to teach myself how to study. It was terrible.
1: I for I am fortunate that I struggled in math. So I learned how to study so that, college was not that difficult for me. Yeah.
0: Like I worked hard, but I, I didn't
1: struggle time. with studying at least.
0: Yeah. I have always struggled with studying and it's like, I'm such a procrastinator. It's just one of my downfalls.
1: Right. Um, that is also something I didn't inherit was procrastination and it drives me crazy when that it's, I'm so type a, I'm so type a and procrastination is the thing that sets me off that it's just the funniest thing, like things that are inconsequential to me. I'm like, "Well, the fuck didn't you prepare?" Like,
0: <laughs> well, and it's funny because I'm pretty Type A, right? But I just can't do anything. Uh, like, I have to wait till the last minute to do absolutely anything that I do.
1: You're motivated by a deadline. It happens. Hmm. Um. So, in any case, um, in nineteen 19- done right. <laughs> In 1988, um, Kananin's freshman year of college, um, his father deserted his family and moved back to the Philippines so that he could avoid being arrested for embezzlement. Um, So, that definitely was not a blow to Kananin's ego at all.
0: Why wouldn't you take your family with you?
1: Right? Um,
0: Because they're going to lose all their shit because you ran away.
1: Right? So, um, that same year, Cunanan began hitting the local gay scene. He frequented gay clubs and bars and restaurants and, um, worked very hard to mingle with older men who seemed like they had a lot of money. That was just the me- the men he gravitated, gravitated towards. Um, mm-hmm. his mother, who was highly religious, see bigot, because honestly, you can be religious and not a fucking asshole. It's true. Um and confronted um so his mother found out and confronted him about how he was most definitely going to hell and like spoiler alert lady he's probably going to hell but not for that
0: yeah <laughs> also i mean i've been told i've been going i'm going to hell by many people in my life so it like, does it shouldn't drive you to kill right that's all i'm saying
1: right exactly um so this argument Instead, i
0: just stabbed things with needles right over and over and over over and over
1: and over. So this argument turned physical and Cunanan wound Great. up- Great. Right. Um, actually wound up throwing his mother into a wall and dislocated her shoulder in the process.
0: Okay. So
1: we love that. Um, no. And then Gosh. later, um, psychologists would analyze all the things they learned about Cunanan and they would um, conclude that- or that their analysis indicated rather that he suffered from antisocial personality disorder characterized by a lack of remorse and empathy, which none of those things mean that you should kill people or throw your mother into a wall. Um, That's not, but maybe in a world where mental health is talked about more often, there could have been more um, supports in place for him before yes. he turned to that.
0: Especially, let's not forget this is 1997. Right. People were really, really not talking about this.
1: Right. This was well. This was 88. This was when he was 19, and so yeah, even. Oh, I'm sorry. So even,
0: yeah, even yeah. That I mean, that point stands even higher than.
1: Yeah. Um. So he would eventually drop out of UCSD and move in with his best friend Elizabeth Cote and her boyfriend Phil Merrill in the Castro District of San Francisco, which was the heart of the gayberhood. It was during oh, yeah. it was during this time that he took a special interest in making particularly violent homemade porn. Um, and he I have questions. Yes. So he, um, what most people would like think they were signing up for with him was like a good bout of S and M. And then he would take it a step really? further and make it like a pretty dangerous game. Um, and he would, of course, record it. And I'm I'm hoping that he had people's permission. Um, but instead of the, like, typical S&M power play, he was just hurting people to beat the shit out of them.
0: That's wild. Uh-huh. Also, I mean... Again I can't speak to Porn in the 80s But There's just lots of pubes (laughs) (laughs) It's (laughs) It's pretty Regulated As to like How all that stuff works Right Because you know That's why there's all the You know additional like Snuff films and stuff Because People have weird Kinks We don't kink shame, but some people do have weird kinks.
1: Kinks that we do not understand. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Kinks that I don't understand. That's what I'm saying. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Um, So he also, during this time, um, began working as a gigolo. um, And he was known for, like, basically he was an escort for these very wealthy men. Sometimes married, sometimes not. It didn't matter to him. Um, and like, he just was on the like constant hunt for a sugar daddy, um, which no judgment here. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) in fact, in my notes, I wrote, um, he worked as a gigolo while continuing to befriend older wealthy men. And I just need to know where you find them for research purposes. I mean, of course. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, he also socialized in the Hillcrest and La Jolla neighborhoods of San Diego, as well as in Scott Isn't
0: it La Jolla? What did I say? La Jolla. La
1: Jolla, it is La Jolla, sorry.
0: Okay. I I was just confused like I thought maybe It's I'm La Jolla. Yeah. No, nope, I'm
1: wrong. <laughs> it's I haven't slept in 3 days and it's catching up to me. Oh god, I feel you there. Um, and he would also um party in scottsdale arizona which is you know my my favorite place to go party
0: hey scottsdale's pretty bougie so is it
1: um Mm. well he one of the articles said he was apparently quote living off the largesse of one wealthy patron or another um he. It's also believed that he was dealing drugs, including prescription opioids, cocaine, and marijuana through this time. And he was using several aliases um, because he became... He tried to hide his Filipino heritage. And that's what I was talking about, how he like his ethnic identity became really important to him. Um, mm-hmm. He wanted to separate himself from his father and his Filipino culture completely. And so sure. he um, chose names that would be like very opposite um, or just very different and what he kind of considered to be very white names. And so he went by Andrew da Silva Lieutenant Commander Andy Cummings, Drew Cunningham, and Kurt Matthew
0: Damaris. I mean, Cummings is kind of <laughs> right. Just a little so, too spot on. That's
1: got to be his gigolo name.
0: Yeah. Um, so, um, according
1: to Vanity Fair, Condon first met fashion designer Gianni Versace in San Francisco in October of 1990 when Versace was in town because he was being recognized for the costumes he designed for a recent San Francisco opera production. Yes. Um, Versace's family has denied that the two ever met, but there have been more than a few people who have, um, who were interviewed, who said that they were seen together. Um, that, They spent a couple of nights like at a club and like, um, they shared a limousine once and things like that. So, I mean,
0: you can hang out with somebody and not be their best friend, right? And not even like mention to your family, like, oh, I met this person, right? Well,
1: and vacation
0: um, me is a whole different me,
1: right? Exactly. Well, and Andrew Cronin had this, um, he had this way about himself where he presented himself to be as rich as the people that he was with and rich attracts rich. And so like when you can schmooze the right way, you can kind of meet anybody who's got a lot of money and attends the places that you attend. Like if you can get into their events, then you get to meet them. It's just the getting in and convincing people you belong there. That's the thing.
0: Yeah. Just go look up the story of Anna Delvey. Right.
1: Right. Um, so, um, in December of 1995, Conan had met David Madsen, who was a Minneapolis, Minneapolis architect. Um, they met okay. in San Francisco and Madsen was handsome. He was intelligent. He was well-liked. He was the picture of like that typical nineties, all American guy that sure. they were trying to tout at the time. Like, 90s ralph lauren ads like he was every guy in those tommy hilfiger yeah um so um they began a long distance relationship but madsen ended the relationship in the spring of 1996 so about a year and a half later um telling friends that he sensed something shady about canaan um And Kananen would go on to tell his friends that Madsen was the love of his life. And he kept a photo of Madsen taped to his refrigerator door until all, like, until the end of all these crazy events. Like, he just, in fact, spoiler alert, we're going to get there. He he killed Madsen. That's one of the people he killed. And he still, like, had his photo taped on his refrigerator door. Which is, like, rude, honestly. Um, So, Kananen had this incredible way of charming the wealthy men he met. Because he was such a voracious reader and a certifiable genius, and he had that photographic memory I talked about, um, he could pretend to be... I did it. Thank you.
0: Sorry, that drives me nuts.
1: All the articles said photographic memory, so I'm just keeping with the verbiage that was presented to me. I know. Um, so he could pretend to be wealthy very easily because he read so much and he could pretend to have lived the life that other people had written about. Um, and when he was with these wealthy elite men that he would hang out with, um, he would pout and say he didn't know whether he wanted to have dinner in New York or Paris that day. And like, that's a considerable travel time difference. So, like, maybe, yeah. maybe you should pick earlier than like four forty-five. You jackass! Like, if you're, yeah. you're going to miss dinner if you're going to Paris. Like, sorry. Or about just it.
0: do some research. I don't know. Right.
1: Oh no! I have a private jet that goes twice as fast as other jets. It teleports. Well, this was I have the a time of a
0: Concorde. Jet. That's there true. Was still a Concorde, so I mean, <laughs> that shit was fast. Said,
1: hang on. um so um and because of all his reading he could describe things with great detail based solely on like descriptions so he would describe things like the texture and delicacy of like blowfish that he'd had in japan for 850 dollars and like i cannot imagine a more fucking boring conversation than some guy sitting next to me being like I don't know if I'm going to New York or Paris for dinner, but nowhere is going to beat the blowfish I had in Japan. It only cost people a- that
0: eat blowfish brag about it because it's poisonous and it can kill you. And I if just it's not cooked exactly correctly,
1: right? Um, but in that moment when they're bragging to me about eating blowfish, I wish that it would have just poisoned them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, same. I'm just saying that's why people brag about it.
1: Um, So he was like scamming hard. He was catfishing in real life. Like, I mean, pop off, but that's next level. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean,
0: kudos to him, because I can't imagine that that would be easy. Right?
1: Um, So in September of 1996, um, Kanaan was dumped by john blatchford who was this wealthy older man that had been hosting and financially supporting him see sugar daddy like he'd finally reached that sugar baby status and i'm not mad about it but then when he lost um that connection he started to spiral yeah and um he you get mad yep so he soon maxed out his credit cards um and Kananan had a close friend who um he often called his brother, like that's how close they were, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Jeff Trail. He was a former Navy officer who worked as a district manager for a propane company in Minneapolis. Um, okay. he had during this spiral, um, uh, Trail had told his roommate at the time, Michael Williams, that Andrew Kananen had resumed selling drugs and, um, that Cunanan was now also consuming these drugs. And he was like, especially just always on meth, on methamphetamines, like just always. Yeah. Um, so by April, 1997 friends reported that Cunanan was now abusing painkillers and drinking alcohol. Like there was no tomorrow. Like he was, he was downing them with like a, you know, a 40 ounce or whatever he was on that day. Um, Right. Later that month, Kanaan told friends that he was leaving San Diego for Minneapolis to quote, take care of some business matters with trail, his, you know, best friend who was his brother. Um, sure. But because trail had recently distanced himself from Kanaan he didn't want any part of this drug addicted lifestyle. And he made that very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, Before Kanaan's visit, um, Jeff Trail told his sister that, quote, he did not want Andrew to come. So a week before his death, Trail told his former roommate, Williams, that he'd had a huge falling out with Canaan and said, quote, I made a lot of enemies this weekend. I've got to get out of here. They're going to kill me. Aww. yeah. Yeah. Really? So on April eighteenth, Kananen was in San Francisco, and he ran into one of his old friends at the Midnight Sun, which was a gay bar that he hung out at. Um, and he showed him a flyer for an SNL party he was planning to attend the next night. Um, and so this was a quote from the um, Vanity Fair article that just talks mm-hmm. about how he had snapped, um, and so the the two argued and about this S and M party. Um, the, the friend John Simmerow didn't want to go and Kanaan kept trying to force him to. And then John Simmerow says, quote, he grabbed me around the neck so hard. He was choking me with his grip. Andrew, you're really hurting me. Stop it. He'd said something snapped in him. Now I realized the guy was hunting. He was getting the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of the kill. I saw it in his eyes. I saw it in his body. He'd stepped over the edge okay yeah so on april 24th Kanonen and four friends attended a going away party at hillcrest california cuisine um so like he planned his own going away party at this like bougie restaurant um and it was one of the few times that he didn't cover everyone's tab because he no longer had anybody else's money to spend um he had reached the credit limit now on both of his credit cards and he'd already had to ask for an extension on his credit to be able to afford the plane ticket to Minneapolis. Okay. So he's like having to say goodbye to San Francisco and also pretend he's not poor. And as That's somebody, somebody who spent a long time trying to pretend they're not poor, it's hard to keep that front up. Um, I didn't kill anybody though, so like there's that. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> so um he arrived in minneapolis the next day like the day after the party and he stayed with david madsen and um jeffrey trail in madsen's loft apartment so um jeffrey and or jeff trail and david madsen were good friends and then um Andrew Kananen and Trail were friends and Andrew and David had dated. And so it was this already very strange dynamic going on. Um, So that night Kanan and Madsen died at Nye's restaurant and they visited um, the gay 90s nightclub. On April 26th, Kananen stayed in Jeff Trail's apartment while Trail was out of town with his boyfriend the following afternoon, Trail told his boyfriend, John Hackett, that he needed to have a quote, pretty important conversation with Cunanan. When Trail and Hackett later arrived at Trail's apartment, there was no sign of Cunanan or his belongings. So Trail left his apartment to see Cunanan shortly after nine and was likely let into Madsen's apartment at nine 45. So he knew he needed to have this conversation with Andrew Cunanan and he figured Cunanan would be at Madsen's apartment since he wasn't at, at Jeff's. And sure. so he went over there to see him. Um so this is when Kanonan's killing spree began. On April 27th, 1997, he murdered his close friend, 28-year-old Jeffrey Trail. After an argument in Trail's apartment, he Cunanan had actually stole Trail's gun and brought it to David Matson's apartment
0: okay and
1: so when madsen came over um like when madsen i mean when trail came over to madsen's apartment and like asked to be buzzed in canaan was like yeah come up oh by the way i have your gun and um that's what i'd be like oh okay listen i'm a little busy but like i'm not blaming this poor guy because what the hell but i'm I would hope that I would be like, listen, I'm not not coming up, but I'm also an idiot. So who knows? Yeah. Um, And you're not an
0: idiot. That's not what I meant. I just, no, I am
1: an idiot, but you know what I'm saying? Like this, just this poor guy. Anyway. So when he came up to the loft apartment, Kanan beat him to death with a hammer in front of Madsen, in front of the love of his life um, um mm. yep and so on april 29th um oh so then he and madsen just kind of like Kanana and madsen just kind of disappeared from people's lives for for a minute so on april uh-huh. 29th two days later one of madsen's co-workers was concerned about his absence from work so he went to go check on him and instead he discovered trail's body rolled in a rug and hidden behind the sofa um and trail's watch had stopped at nine fifty five p.m so authorities think that was probably the time he was killed on april 27th Oh my goodness. Um, Which means that the whole thing happened within about 10 minutes because he arrived at Madsen's apartment at 945. Okay. So um, 33 year old Madsen was Kananen's second murder victim. Again, remember this was the love of his life. Um, Yeah. Authorities believe that Madsen remained in his apartment with Kananen for two days after Trails' murder, um, because one neighbor witnessed both men in the apartment elevator on April 28th and another neighbor witnessed the pair walking Madsen's dog on April 29th. Um, and initially Madsen was a suspect in Trails murder, but Madsen's family insisted he was being held hostage by Conanan, and that proved to be true.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So, on May 2nd, Madsen and Kanaan were seen north of Minneapolis driving in Madsen's Jeep and eating lunch together in a bar. And the following morning, Madsen's body was found on the east shore of Rush Lake near Rush City, Minnesota, with gunshot wounds to the head and back from a 40 caliber semi-automatic pistol. That It was the same gun that Kanaan had taken from Jeff Trail's home. God. So... Um, on May 4th, Kananen drives to Chicago, Illinois in Madsen's Jeep. Okay. And while he's there, he kills 72 year old Lee Miglin, who was a prominent real estate developer. He bound Miglin's hands and feet and wrapped his head with duct tape. And Kananen uh, stabbed Miglin more than 20 times with a screwdriver slit his throat with a hacksaw, and then stole his car.
0: Why, though?
1: No idea. Because Miglin's family maintains that the killing was random, but um, the FBI argues that it's unlikely that he would have bound and tortured this guy without motive. Um, That chances are there was some kind of sexual liaison between them, but there's no way to prove either side. But, like but like why do you have to kill the guy no one knows he was yeah i mean
0: that and
1: like i just i don't understand
0: i don't know so
1: investigators noted miglin's 1994 green lexus sedan was missing from the garage and found Madsen's red jeep parked on the street near miglin's house um, the mm-hmm. Lexus was equipped with a car phone, which, according to cell records, was activated on May 4th in Union County, Pennsylvania. So authorities began monitoring the phone's activity and found it was also activated on May 8th in Philadelphia and on May 9th near Penn's Grove in Carneys Point, New Jersey. So on May 9th, um, so this is five days after he killed the real estate developer. On May 9th, -hmm. in Pennsville Township, New Jersey, um, at Fenns Point National Cemetery, Kananen shot and killed 45-year-old caretaker William Reese. Later that day, when Reese did not return home for dinner, his wife visited the cemetery to check on him and found his office door ajar and the radio was on inside. She called the police, who found Reese was shot in the back of the head by the same pistol Kananen had used to murder Madsen. Unlike Kananan's other victims, whom he killed for seemingly personal reasons, authorities really do believe that Kananan murdered Reese simply so that he could steal his truck because they'd been tracking the green Lexus for so long. Sure. And then he used that truck to drive to Florida. So, like you do. Right? So on May 12th, Kananan began... Um, staying at the Normandy Plaza hotel in Miami beach, where he paid $29 per night in cash. Okay. So, which just kind of tells you the, the kind of hotel he's hiding out in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. So on June 12th, he was listed on the FBI 10 most wanted fugitives, fugitives, mm-hmm. fugitives list. There it is. <laughs> While the manhunt unsuccessfully focused on Reese's stolen truck, um, the the real thing, like the real problem, was that Kanadin was just hiding in plain sight for two months. He used his own name to pawn a stolen to pawn stolen items on July seventh, despite knowing that police routinely revo- review pawn shop records. He spent his time doing drugs, eating fast food, stealing, and even going out into gay nightclubs where he continued to seek the support of older men with money. Um, And many experts and many people criticized police that if they had taken at all any initiative to get to know the gay community in Miami, like he would have been caught in minutes. But instead they saw it as the seedy underbelly of Miami. I just rolled my eyes so hard.
0: I mean, also, Miami is a seedy underbelly, right? The in fact, the only thing keeping
1: Miami together is the gay community. Like they're throwing some, yeah, they're throwing some positivity and sparkles on all the bullshit that's going on down there.
0: Seriously, <laughs> get it together!
1: Good grief. So, um, on July fourteenth. Kananan finally ran out of money. Also, so, why...
0: Like, the gay community is rad as fuck. Like, come on. Right?
1: So, um, on July 14th, it seems that Kananan ran out of money, so he checked out of the hotel without paying for his last night there. Around 8.45 a.m. on July 15th, Kananan murdered 50-year-old Gianni Versace on the front stairway of his mansion in Miami Beach. Um... Versace was returning from a visit to the news cafe where I'd mentioned he picked up coffee and magazines. He was Mm -hmm. shot once in the back of the head and once in the left cheek with the same pistol Kananen had used to murder Madsen and Reese. A witness pursued Kananen but was able to catch him as he fled into a nearby parking garage Um, and Versace was pronounced dead at Jackson Memorial Hospital at 9.21 a.m. Responding police found the stolen truck in a nearby parking garage, and it contained this. This is the thing that ooged me out the most. It contained Kananan's clothing and clippings of newspaper reports about Kananan and the murders. He was like scrapbooking his own bullshit.
0: Everyone needs a hobby,
1: I guess. So, on July 23rd, 1997, Kanaan's body, like, he went into hiding um, for almost a week, or for a little over a week, Um, but on July 23rd, 1997, Kanaan's body was found in a luxury houseboat in Miami Beach after a caretaker reported hearing a gunshot to police. He'd shot himself in the head with the same pistol he'd stolen from Trail. It was the pistol he'd used to kill Madsen Reese and Versace. And his body was found surrounded by stacks of magazines, uh, including Vogue and L. So like he went out with style mm-hmm. question mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so as for the Versace empire to tie this back to your movie accusations about who could have done more. Sorry. I don't know what I was having there. Um, So conversations moved from like the murder to academic conversations about how to move forward without him. Um, His younger sister and muse Donatella fell into drug addiction, nearly losing her place in the company before checking into rehab at the urge of Elton John. I did say that. Um, Santo Versace, who'd been overseeing the business side of the Versace brand since 1977 clashed with donatella after their brother was killed and in the last seven years however the company has made a sensational comeback um with santo and donatella at the helm today the versace empire is still privately owned by the family so they didn't go public which is something santo had wanted several times um yeah and it is today valued at or in 2018 it was valued at 1.7 billion dollars
0: yeah, they're not they're not losing money. That's for sure.
1: Right. Um,
0: now they can afford that fifty euro, fifty million euros a month.
1: Yes. So um, yeah, so that is the bizarre and crazy and wild story of Andrew Kananen
0: well no it's the story of the the murders of of
1: so many people
0: not the story of andrew canaan because you're right
1: um so that is the story of the murders of i keep forgetting madison's first name and that is on me i wrote it down three times in these notes and i still missed it um
0: i want to say james but i think that's just because i, see, I think of
1: james david madison david madison i kept trying to say james and i knew that was wrong so that is the murder of david madison jeff trail um see and i have these all organized and then i still can't get my life together uh, <laughs> uh miglin lee miglin and uh william reese and gianni versace
0: Oh, man. That's horrible. <sighs> also, it's horrible that he died by suicide and will never be, like, brought to justice. Right. You know? Like, that's the worst. That
1: always pisses me off.
0: Me, too. I'm like, what? why, though? You know? Right. Like, you already
1: fucked up. Just own up to it now. mm mm-hmm and i know that is like you
0: set out with pretty good and like not good intentions but you knew you had bad intentions right
1: like you knew you knew the natural progression here yeah sucks all right so we don't know what we're watching next week but when nope. when we do we'll tell you about it yep um but until then don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, guys. So, I'm, and if you have suggestions, if there's something that we are doing that drives you insane, please email us. We got a bad review this yeah. week. that's set on me funny because we, we are always open it's to. It's just something we could have changed. Right. We are... And
0: instead of giving us a chance, it was, they gave us a bad review. And that, that's, that's stuck with me too but also like i hope that person listens and right knows that we can take constructive criticism it's not
1: unheard of right and um but please rate us it helps people find us um we are yeah. talking about some big things in january um and i'm excited to share those with you and mm-hmm. um i think i think it's going to be good
0: Yeah, probably get a new merch drop. Yes. And we're going to be making some other changes. And I hope you all like those changes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're being very cryptic. Uh, Well, can you tell the folks where to find us until next time? Yeah,
0: we're... Are over on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. We are on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. You can go like our page on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. You can um, email us at Lifetime Sentence Podcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website at Lifetime com, And please join our Patreon, like uh, Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence.
1: Absolutely. I did it. Uh, And we. And
0: like, okay, so preview, like, our Patreon members are going to get a a preview drop of merch before everyone else.
1: Yes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, well, until next time, we thank you. And don't forget to eat every single one of your vegetables.
0: Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This
1: has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.